begin after eight taps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time too about not playing the NDE. It was free for all and I heard him say he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick cause you're incapable A-A-M's. Thank you TJ Drennan for that wonderful theme. I'm Free For All and this is Keep Off The Borderlands. Um, or a little update, I've just completed my first play-by-post adventure using Rollgate. The Rhesus Adventure, Toast of the Town, managed to solve a mystery, bring a criminal to justice, free some slaves, but also started off a series of events that led to the town burning to the ground before it fell into the lake. So, a partial success. I was quite pleased with that. Now, I recorded this episode last week sometime, and I wasn't sure whether to put this out, but it kind of tied in with a conversation I was having on Discord, so I thought, yeah, why not put it out? But before that, I've got a message from Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Take it away, Jason. Hey, Spencer Jason here from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Just wanted to say, yes, TJ, knock it out of the park with your theme song. It is awesome. And the second thing I want to mention was reference comic book villains, or, you know, comic book movie villains. I think that, yeah, Thanos, but let's look at Spider-Man Homecoming. Look at the Vulture, played by Michael Keaton, the original movie Batman. Yes, there was an Adam West Batman movie. I'll give you that. But that was more just for a TV show, right? Which, great TV show, I'm not putting it down. But the real first movie Batman, movie movie Batman, was Michael Keaton. At least for me, he was. Even though I grew up with Adam West. But I'm not calling about Michael Keaton's Batman, which is the best movie, Batman. I'm calling about the Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. You want to talk about a good villain. You want to talk about a villain with motivation. You want to talk about a villain that was played well. Look at the Vulture. Michael Keaton knocked that out of the park. He knocked it out of the park. Killmonger was an awesome villain. Maybe his plan was a little bit wonky there at the end, right? But the Vulture, I'm not taking anything away from Killmonger, but the Vulture, look at that. The Vulture is heads and tails above Thanos. Just my opinion, hey, you know. But just wanted to throw that out there. Keep up the great work, and I will get you that solo play when I when I get it finished up. Talk to you later. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And yes, Michael Keaton's Vulture is a great villain. And for me, that's what makes 
a great Marvel film is when they keep it to a smaller scale. They make it about interpersonal relationships. When it's, it's not about destroying half the universe, it's about personal vendettas and stuff like that. That's why I think uh, my personal favourites are Captain America Civil War, Thor Ragnarok. Now, although, you know, that's about the end of a world, it's, it's, it's a very human say it's a very, it is a it's a very kind of human story it's very relatable and um same for the guardians of the galaxy now they seem like strange picks to be regarded as human because they're such fantastical settings but it's all about the relationships within those films that's i mean that's i think what elevates them also as great as the vulture is as a villain. Um, I'm not sure if he falls into the anti-villain camp that I was initially talking about, but um, I'm sure someone could convince me otherwise. Anyway, thanks for your call in, Jason. Gary and Dave shared credit on the white bus But as things advanced their relationship was on the rocks Less people know his name, but he revolutionized war games with the first fantasy campaign. On a song. So I wanted to say a little bit more about Osseus. Now, essentially, what I basically wanted to do was take elements of games that I've seen all over the place, mainly sort of freeform stuff, but give them a real sort of OSR feel. And rather than going for the roll-under mechanic, which is a very neat mechanic, I just prefer rolling high. And it's as simple as that, really. There's no argument for it. I just like the old idea of rolling high, of crits being a 12, fumbles being a 2. It's more aesthetically pleasing to me. And that's it, really. So, yes, to create stats, what I did was, well, because, I mean, with a lot of OSR games, the actual stats themselves, you know, that 3d6 roll, is rarely ever referred to. It's used to create the mods and then it's kind of dispensed with. So, you know, I figured I would just go with the mods, but I didn't want to go for a point by system. I still wanted the random roll element. So essentially you're rolling to determine the mods and those mods are your stats. Also, because stats could be plus and minus values, I figured that you could have as many stats as you want. You know, you can make it a three stat system. You can make it, you know, have the traditional six. You could have 12, if you like. You know, I'm not too concerned about balance. I mean, I want want there to be a range within which things can operate, a quite a tight range, uh, which is where the 
the varying target numbers come in. So basically, and I'm not using levels here either. I wanted to get away from levels. In fact, I toyed with the idea, or I like the idea of reputation. and But at the same time, I can see that it's something that might sound like a great idea, but doesn't actually get implemented. And toyed with the idea of replacing level with reputation. And that could go in either direction. That would almost work like a alignment. But I don't like alignment. I don't like alignment because it's kind of your character's basically fixed, predetermined. You know, if you're of a certain alignment, you can't act in a certain manner. And I'm just not really, I'm not on board with that. I'm more, I like the idea of a character emerging as you play it and to start off with an alignment kind of uh, just strikes me as restrictive. And plus things aren't that kind of cut and dry, you know. Good people can do terrible things. Terrible people can do good things. I guess it kind of feeds back into the whole anti-hero, anti-villain thing I was talking about on a previous episode. Um, yes, yeah, so there's no levels. You essentially... At the end of a session, on a venture, you get a point or two, depending on, you know, I, I, don't, I hadn't determined that. That's all pretty freeform. That's down to the uh, GM, the referee, to decide how they want to treat that. And, I, yeah, and that's a kind of a principle I've stuck to throughout. Making the thing so transparent and obvious what the elements are doing that all you need is common sense to be able to see whether something's going to break the game or not, you know? So one, maybe two points at the end of a session or the end of an adventure. And I was thinking, you could allow people to put points in things that they've utilised. I also I like the idea of um, learning through failure. And because, I mean, that's really only when you learn anything is when you get stuff wrong, you know. And that's an integral part of learning anything. Uh, but I realise I've gone off at a bit of a tangent because none of that is actually in the rules. I really wanted to rein it in and keep it to a bare minimum. I think some elements have suffered because there's a single role, there's no opposed roles. When you exceed the target, the number you exceed it by is the number of damage you cause when you're in combat. But if you fall short of that target, then you receive that damage. Obviously, that makes perfect sense when you're in melee combat, but when you're using things like missiles, it makes no sense that if you fall short of a target, that you're going to get injured. You're just going to miss your target. And 
that is kind of illustrated in an example, but I don't feel that that's clear enough because it's, it's not actually mentioned outside of that example. And uh, I'm, I'm aware that's a problem because Ray Otis kindly took a good look at the rules and gave me uh, quite a bit of feedback, which was very helpful. And I've already implemented some of his suggestions just for rewording um, certain things, just to make them clearer. But uh, yeah, when he mentioned about this possible issue of uh, you know whether or not somebody would take damage if they were using using a missile weapon. I knew I'd mentioned that if a character falls short of the target but they're not in any immediate danger they wouldn't receive any damage. I knew I'd written that and yet I couldn't find it even though the rules are only one three pages long. I really struggled to find it and then I realised I'd actually put it in that example rather than in the actual main body of text. So uh, yeah, I think that needs addressing. There's also the issue of, well I, I implemented this idea of if you roll the target number you achieve your goal but obviously you're not doing any damage because you're not exceeding the target number by any particular value. So I figured that was a good yes but opportunity. You know, um, you do it, but there's a cost. I can see the, how that would apply to almost anything, combat or whether you're trying to pick a lock or if even if you're, you know, some kind of social thing you're trying to, uh, persuade somebody to do something, uh, any kind of challenge, apart from when it comes to firing a missile, because the, the, the result implies that you hit your target, but there's a cost. Now, that seems a little unfair, because if you fall short when you're firing a missile, you just miss the target. There's no penalty there, apart from maybe giving away your position. Whereas if you roll the challenge number, no damage is caused and you incur a cost. I don't know if I'm over-explaining this, if I've made it perfectly obvious. I feel like I've kind of made it clear and then muddied the waters again. I like the economy of, you know, trying to convey as much information as possible with as little text as possible. Keep the language to layman's terms. So you'd probably, you'd certainly need to know how a role-playing game works in order to play this. But I wanted it to be free of jargon. So, you know... Simplify things as much. What's the Einstein quote? Everything should be as simple as possible, but not simpler. Meaning that you reduce things as much as possible without leaving out crucial information. So there you go. I think that'll do for this episode. I'm tweaking this document and updating the one in the Google Drive. 
and I'm going to put the link in the description. The same for um, TJ's Patreon. So, thank you for listening. I've been Free Thrall. This has been Keep Off the Borderlands. And remember, if things get dicey, just roll with it. Thank you.